This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 357th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast, Ghost Tours for the Theater of the Mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Hey, Kelly, I'm very excited over here. You are? Because the Rays are going to the World <laughs> I Series. I know, I'm so excited too. And what's going to be just absolutely amazing is if the Dodgers win this one today. Obviously, it's going to be passed by the time everybody hears this, but we may have a Rays Dodger World Series when my boys are here. And they're and big Dodgers fans. Yes, they are. I'm a so, big Rays fan. So, yes. Yeah, we'll and I'm a converted Rays fan. So. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled you over to the dark side. No, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I hope Dodgers pull it out and get this last win and we go head to head. I know. This is 2020 for those of you listening in the future. <laughs> you know what else I'm excited about? What's that? This episode. This was suggested to us by Maria Domingo. She shares a scary tale that her son experienced, Mo, who's the artist that has sent us some of his artwork. And this is the old Diplomat Hotel, which is in the Philippines. We've done, I think, one other episode that was about a location in the Philippines. And then we also did Filipino legends. Tons and tons of fun. This place is supposedly haunted as all get out. And when I was researching it and I looked at the city that it's in, which I believe is pronounced Baguio. I hope we've said it right. If not, I apologize now, but we don't speak Filipino. So anyway, there are a couple of other really haunted locations here. So we're going to share those as well. Awesome. We want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew before we get into that. Lene, Elsie, Trisha, Jimmy, Andy with an IE, Samantha, Amanda, and Sarah with an H. Welcome to the crew, you guys. And now this moment, Naughty. The moment in oddity was suggested by Scott Booker. Clinical zoanthropy is a form of mental illness in which the sufferer believes that they are either becoming an animal or already have transformed into an animal. Lycanthropy is one form of this and it involves a person believing that they are a wolf and they might run around howling or barking. Another really bizarre form is boanthropy and a person suffering from this believes they are a cow or an ox. The person will go into fields and join herds of cows crawling on all fours, mooing, and eating grass. The earliest story of a case of boanthropy is found in the Bible in the book of Daniel, and the sufferer is King Nebuchadnezzar. The text says he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. He eventually seemed to be cured from the disorder and went back to living a normal life. Researchers are not sure what brings on the disorder. 
but they hypothesize that it is caused by some kind of hypnotism, hallucination, or dream state, or more probably is an aspect of schizophrenia. Non-scientists claim that it is due to some kind of black magic or curse. While we don't know what causes boanthropy, we do know that it certainly is odd. Get out. And now, this month in history. In the month of October, on the 5th in 1930, British airship R101 crashed in France, killing 48 people. Although this disaster cost more lives than the Hindenburg crash, which wouldn't happen for another seven years, most people are unfamiliar with it. This was the airship's maiden voyage, and at the time it was the largest airship ever made, so there's a lot of comparisons to the Titanic and how it was sunk on its maiden voyage. The airship measured an amazing 731 feet long. There were 54 people on board the dirigible, and the fire that ignited quickly took out nearly everybody. There would be other deadly airship crashes in Europe because they filled them with highly flammable hydrogen gas, rather than helium. The reason they went with the more dangerous gas was because America had a monopoly on helium at the time. Helium is a very hard gas to get a hold of because it is found in very few places, and there's a limited finite supply. There were many mistakes made with this airship. Design flaws were not fixed. The weather was ill-suited for the trip, which was to end in India, and the R101 was overloaded with cargo and fuel. The fabric at the nose was damaged by wind and rain, and gas bags in the bow broke open, releasing the lifting gas. The crash was relatively light, but shortly after crashing, the gas ignited, and it was over in a matter of minutes. Atop a hill in the Filipino city of Pines sits an abandoned and dilapidated building that not only has a brutal history, it is considered the most haunted place in the Philippines. This is the Old Diplomat Hotel, which was originally a retreat for friars of the Dominican Order that later became a place of sanctuary and then eventually a place of death. But this is not the only creepy location with a haunted reputation in Baguio. The city is dotted with haunted locations like the Laparal White House. Join us as we share the history and hauntings of the Old Diplomat Hotel and Haunted Baguio. Baguio City is home to the Old Diplomat Hotel. Baguio was the only hill station that was owned by the United States in Asia. I found that really interesting because there's a lot of hill stations there. I can't believe that we didn't have more than one. The station was established in 1900 on the former Ibalaoi village of Cafagüey. Ibalaoi are an indigenous group of hill dwellers. The Spanish were early colonizers and they established a mission nearby in the 1700s. Cafagüey was one of their rancherias. 
The Philippine Revolution in 1899 liberated the area of the Spaniards. After the Spanish-American War, the United States occupied the Philippines. The hill station established here became the summer capital of the Philippine Islands. In 1913, the Dominican Order built a retreat for themselves on a hilltop of 17 hectares, giving them a panoramic view of the city. They called this the Dominican Hill Retreat House, and the hill would keep that Dominican Hill name. It was designed by a member of the order, Friar Roque Riano. He had also designed the main building of the University of Santo Tomas. Construction was completed in 1915. The building was two stories tall and had a cross at the top, which is still there today. The friars decided that it would be advantageous to get some tax breaks by opening a school. They started a seminary called Collegio de Santissimo Rosario, but it was only open for a couple of years because there was not enough seminary students enrolling. The priests and nuns continued to use the house as a place for relaxation, and this continued until the 1940s. Their peace was broken with the outbreak of World War II. The Japanese invaded the Philippines in 1941. They initially landed on Bataan Island, and the Filipino and American forces tried to keep them back, but eventually were forced to surrender the Philippines to the Japanese. As the Japanese pressed in further, refugees needed a place of sanctuary, and they turned to the Dominican Hill Retreat House. That would turn out to be a bad idea. The Japanese forces took over the house and decided to make it their headquarters, and rather than run off the refugees and priests and nuns, they decided to torture, rape, and kill them. This was done by the Japanese secret police known as Kenpeitai. They formed out of the Japanese Imperial Army in 1881. They were brutal and enforced loyalty within Japan. During the war, they punished their enemies and recruited locals to join them. The Kenpeitai turned the front of the building into the scene of numerous hangings. Priests and nuns were decapitated. In April of 1945, American forces liberated the Philippines, including Dominican Hill, and a bomb damaged the right wing of the building. The Japanese forces inside committed suicide, or what they called Harry Carey. After the war, the house was restored, and the Dominicans continued to use it as their retreat house again. In 1973, they sold the property to Diplomat Hotels Incorporated, and they remodeled the interior completely, creating a 33-room hotel called the Diplomat Hotel. A man named Antonio Agapito Tony Agpeoa became the manager. Agpeoa was from Baguio and was not only an entrepreneur, but he fashioned himself a faith healer. He claimed that he could do psychic surgery. So I think these are the people who say that they can like cut into your body without actually cutting into it and mm-hmm. deal with whatever going on. And I have heard a couple of stories of it actually being something that can be done, but I find it hard to believe. Although, how can you really totally prove it? We could make, you know, maybe a little side job here. History oh goes word. bump does psychic surgery. Yeah, no. I'll hard pass on that one. There wouldn't be any blood involved. (laughs) I want to have a good afterlife, not... (laughs) Oh, you think that'll send us straight to hell? Possibly, yes. (laughs) Agpeoa himself was not a healthy man, and he had heart issues for years, along with a brain hemorrhage. And so why didn't he just do surgery on himself? That's a great question, (laughs) Kelly. I mean, if you've got health issues that you can take care of, maybe that's how they prove that he was a fraud. Dude, you're dying. How's that happening? <laughs> Dude, I want my money Run. back. <laughs> he died in 1987 and the hotel was shut down and abandoned. Vandals came through and wrecked the place and stole much of the interior. The 1990 Luzon earthquake damaged parts of the building too. Eventually, the Philippines Housing and Urban Development Coordinating Council took over the ownership of the hotel. The city government of Baguio took over later and named the property Dominican Heritage Hill and Nature Park, and it was declared a National Historic Site. The building has been under renovation, but it is still in pretty sorry shape based on all the videos that I watched of it. 
many of which were as recent as last year. Looks like it really needs a lot of work still done. This hasn't stopped it from being used as a tourist spot and a place for workshops, photo shoots, and weddings. Ghost tours are hosted in the former hotel. Very cool. And with the history that we have going on here, it's no wonder that they might be hosting some ghost tours. Certainly. Tales of paranormal activity started shortly after the hotel was shut down in the 1980s. Neighbors would claim to hear many sounds coming from the empty building. This included the clattering of dishes, doors and windows banging open, and disembodied screams. There are many spirits here ranging from victims of the Japanese to the victims of Tony Agpeoa. Some of the creepier claims about the diplomat are the presence of faceless or headless apparitions. The faceless description reminds us of the ghosts on Netflix Haunting of Bly Manor. So now you have a visual for it, because if you haven't watched it and you're a listener what of this wrong with podcast, <laughs> get on it. It's different than The Haunting of Hill House, but it's very well written. And uh, I was weeping by the end of it. I just thought it was great. Yeah, I definitely had to go get a snot rag. As they say, it's not a ghost <laughs> story. It's a love story. It is. It was beautiful. I loved it. It's our kind of love story because it is also a ghost story. <laughs> this is true. One of the common descriptions is of a headless priest that people have taken to calling the Black Priest. This is a dark figure that has been seen on both the first and second floors. This is not the only priest apparition seen, and there are spirits of nuns seen as well. The fountain areas, there are two of them, have a lot of activity, probably due to the fact that the Japanese drowned victims in the water, including children. Yeah, a lot of the haunting tales that I heard about this were hearing disembodied children's voices. That's terrible. And you were thinking to yourself, why would there be children here? That just seems weird. But that's why they were there, because you had all the refugees there and then they killed them. There was a fire on the property in the 1980s and the morgue, which was a separate outbuilding, was heavily damaged. Not much of that morgue is left. Many people claim to see a nun out by the morgue. And when you look at the picture, it's kind of far away from the building. It's not there's no attachment there or anything. And I don't know. it, It just looks like kind of a tall tower type thing. So it's weird to me that that was a morgue. So I don't know if it's just a rumor that that was a morgue or if it really was. And it seems unusual to have a morgue connected to a a retreat for priests and nuns, even though you had that doctor in there, quote unquote, doing psychic surgery. I mean, did they have that many people dying there from him not really curing people? Well, I wonder if the building served a different purpose originally and then they just converted it to that. That could be. Amy's Crypt is one of our favorite go-tos when it comes to investigations of international locations. I encourage you to subscribe to her channel on YouTube. She goes to a lot of great places. And she had the opportunity to investigate the diplomat. She interviewed one of the tour guides, and he told her that he was conducting a ghost tour in 2018, and he had about 30 people in front of the building when something supernatural occurred. He was saying goodbye to everyone with his back to the building when the attendees started gasping and pointing to an upper floor. There was a figure in a window looking down at everybody. People took pictures and managed to capture it looking down and even waving before it disappeared. Multiple cameras captured this and there was nobody in the building because he was it with the tour group. So that's pretty cool. I'd love to have a spirit wave at me. (laughs) I know. And this is the second time I've heard a story where a tour guide is like talking to a group of people and then all of a sudden they're like gasping and pointing behind them and what's going on. The other one was at Waverly Hills. Well, no, that uh, we had an additional one besides that. That was Roswell, right? But yeah, you're right. She had the same experience, too, where people were gasping and saw somebody inside the house, like, come down the staircase or something, right? This same guide also told a bizarre story about Tony Agpeoa and the night he died of a heart attack in the building. He was locked inside a room, and people could see he was convulsing, and they couldn't get in the room. Finally, the door unlocked, and they ran in to resuscitate him, but it was too late. 
An autopsy was conducted, and the coroner found that the heart looked like it had been crushed by something. This room has a fireplace, and many times security guards have entered the room and seen a figure standing by the fireplace. Amy conducted a spirit box session and was not getting much. We're thinking partly because she was speaking English. I mean, that's part of the problem when you go into these foreign locations is we're speaking English. They may not know what you're saying to them. Sure. But something that didn't have a language barrier gave us chills. Amy was sitting on the ledge of one of the fountains, and you could hear the audible cry of a baby. There were rustling and scratching noises several times and a loud bang. And we both heard that cry of a baby, and it we was did. really eerie. Because this is a place that's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, up on this hill station in the middle of the night. She's right. there by herself with her cameraman and this tour guide. So it's like, where's that baby crying coming from? Yeah, and it was very clear. Yeah, and it was audible, which is what makes it really creepy. It wasn't an EVP that she captured. Our listener Maria wrote, Mo is our little seven-year-old history enthusiast that looks forward to new episodes. Our most recent experience and expedition we had before the shutdown was our trip to the Philippines. We visited the Diplomat Hotel. Mo, during our walkthrough, reached over to me and my husband and said he saw a woman standing at the arched window looking down and waving at him while we were in the courtyard, which sounds very similar to what these people described with their tour guide. And I just got chills. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that some energy appeared to him considering the history of the diplomat, and neither do we. So very cool. Especially because he's a child, they tend to be a little bit more open-minded and see things that we don't. That's awesome, Mo. So that's what we've got on the old diplomat hotel. But as I said, as I was researching that, there were these other places that kept popping up when you looked into Haunted Baguio. There's this other place called the Lapral White House. The Lapparal White House suffered a similar fate as a hotel during World War II under Japanese occupation, and this has led to hauntings. The house was built in the 1930s by a prominent family named Lapparal, who were early settlers here. The family was headed by Don Roberto Lapparal and his wife Donna Victorina. The architectural style is American colonial, reflecting that at the time the Philippines was under American rule. World War II would end the family's peace here at their vacation home. A Japanese garrison took the house over and used it as a place to interrogate spies and torture, rape, and kill people. Some of those kills were said to be members of the Lapparal family, although Don Roberto survived the war. When he died, the house passed out of family ownership and not much is known about the years between that and 2007. It sat abandoned for a great deal of time. Lucy Otan, who is a Chinese-Filipino billionaire, purchased the property in 2007. He poured money into renovating it, although he did not do that so he could move in, but rather so that it could be used as a tourist attraction. In 2013, under a joint partnership of Lucio's Tan Yan Ki Foundation and the Philippine Bamboo Foundation, the house was open to the public and hosts the Ifugao Bamboo Carving Gallery. The gallery is on the first floor, but the entire house is open to the public so people can explore on their own, and there are many people who seek out the ghosts that are said to haunt the place. One member of the Lapparal family who tragically died was their three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Her nanny had gone outside and did not realize that the little girl had followed her outside and the child wandered into the street, a la Pet cemetery. A car struck her and this tragedy seems to have left her spirit on the property. People have seen the full-bodied apparition of the little girl, particularly on the front steps of the house. There have been photos that have captured her, too. The story about this gets even worse. The nanny is said to have committed suicide because of her grief and guilt. She did this in the attic, and her spirit haunts that area of the house. People claim to see her ghost peering out of the windows. Other paranormal claims are that disembodied angry voices are heard coming from the house when it's empty. 
people get an eerie feeling of being watched when inside. Security guards are reluctant to enter the house at night or alone, and one guard had a weird experience. He was asked by the caretaker to cut down a fortune plant that was on the side of the house. The guard did that, but soon fell very ill and he was unable to walk for a few days before he was well again. Another guard had an experience that got him in hot water with his wife. He was making his rounds of the house and decided to call his wife. After a few minutes, she angrily asked him who the woman was that was with him. Oh, my. <laughs> he, he was very confused as he was all alone. His wife told him that she kept hearing a female voice in the background. Oh, my gosh. A woman who was a clairvoyant was once eating at a restaurant across the street from the house named PNKY. There was a large mirror in the restaurant and she looked into it and was stunned to see the house in the reflection behind her, along with a female figure drenched in blood. Apparently, this sighting of a woman drenched in blood is seen so often by diners and staff that the restaurant has taken measures to block the view of the Laparal White House. That tells you that something strange is going on there because people usually are not going to rearrange things to block out the view of something. Certainly. So it's not even a matter of them just taking the mirror down is that they don't want people to really be able to see the house from the restaurant. In 2012, Vince Tabor shared a personal experience he had at the house on the website lacbaybagyo.com. Way back in 1996, when I was in high school, the fourth years would have their recollection. Ours was done at teacher's camp. This is an overnight event. However, for those who do not pay for the accommodations, and for those who do not have their parents with them, they must go home. Since we live far from the city, I asked my classmate if I could stay at their place at Jungletown, which is near Leonard Wood Road. At the time for us to go home around nine in the evening, my classmate asked if we could just walk to go to their place. Having that sense of adventure, we walked from teacher's camp to Jungletown. Walking to their house means walking along the road where the Lapral White House was located. We finally reached the Lapral White House's front gate when my classmate told me to look at the house. We saw a white figure, could have been fog, that is coming down from what seems to be the attic down to the front entrance. Suddenly my friend started running, so I followed. I thought we were being chased by dogs or something. We ran until we reached the road going to Jungle Town. When I asked him why, he said he saw a woman coming towards us. So there, I guess that was a verification that they both were seeing something coming at them. So I don't know why he thought they were being chased by dogs. Maybe he was like, my buddy just took off. Maybe <laughs> something's coming after us. I don't well, know. Well, it sounds like he thought it was fog, but his friend thought it was a woman. Yeah. And maybe it was just based on what view they had. He was seeing sure. it as fog. His friend was seeing a woman. And so his friend takes off and he's like, okay, I'm following him. What, what's chasing us? In that description there, he talked about them staying at a place called Teacher's Camp. Well, guess what, Kelly? It's haunted? Yes. <laughs> Perfectly perfect. The teacher's camp in Baguio is just that, a training facility for teachers. The location was established in 1907 as a training site for teachers from America. There were no buildings at first. Tents were used for classrooms and dining. The first building was constructed in 1911 and cottages followed the next year. Other buildings were added including Tavera Hall, Teacher's Hall, White Hall, Ladies Hall, Benitez Hall, Benitez Hall, and General Luna Hall. The Philippine Military Academy was here for a time before the outbreak of World War II, and during Japanese occupation, the Japanese Army used the camp as a hospital. The camp was reopened to the public in 1947 after repairs were made. Today, Teachers Camp hosts teachers, religious retreats, and other gatherings. Tourists can also stay overnight. There are numerous claims that the old camp is haunted. Pinpointing why is hard. Obviously, if this was a hospital during World War II, some people died here more than likely. The land was originally home to the Igorot tribe. 
Igorot means mountaineer in the Tagalog language, which clearly I don't speak, so I'll probably butchered that name. Since the Igorot are no longer here, they had to have left for some reason. Was there a reason why? Did they leave something behind that has left spiritual residue? One of the more widely seen spirits is Our Lady in White. She's seen all over the camp, both outside and inside cottages. No one knows who she is, and we wish there was a better description of her, particularly what race she is. I would just like to know, I mean, is this woman, is she Japanese? Is she Igorot? Is she Filipino? I mean, who are we, you know, what does she look like? Is she white? I mean, who are we talking about, this lady in white? And why is she there? Yeah, because it would give us a better idea of why she would be there. Vince Tabor shared another story on his website that pertains to the camp. A group of people were staying in a cottage. They decided to go out one night and left the cottage. One of the group members had forgot something and ran to fetch whatever it was and was shocked to see that in the short time between the group leaving and their return, the interior was in a complete disarray. It's possible that this was a prank, but then where did the pranksters disappear to so quickly? There is a ghost nicknamed the lovesick Igorot who likes to hang out in the cottages and got that nickname because he likes to follow the females and watch them sleep. No, thank you. (laughs) Reminds me of Edward from Twilight. Oh, my word. How anybody thinks it's romantic to have somebody sneaking into your room and watching you sleep uninvited, I don't know. No. (laughs) Perhaps he had been in the cabin and was angry they left. And that thing about people watching you sleep. Yes. There's been a couple different times when my boys were younger that it was funny because they'd say, well, I didn't want to wake you up, but they would literally come into my room and stand next to the bed and be staring at me. (laughs) And you get that feeling of somebody watching you. You open your eyes and it's like, (gasps) (gasps) I mean... <laughs> totally freaked me out. They were just saying that they were trying not to wake you, mom. They really actually were trying to scare you. Well, they weren't trying to scare me. It was always for a reason, but <laughs> they would just stand there really quietly and stare. <laughs> Another spirit said to be here is a headless priest. And following what we already know from this episode, it was probably someone executed by the Japanese. Another spirit that probably is a remnant from the war is a bloody female spirit that has appeared to several people when they've awakened in the middle of the night, usually around 3 a.m. There's that time again. Magical hour. Emily C. Les wrote on the Facebook group, True Pinoy Ghost Stories. Ghosts are definitely not real. Those were my words said before we started our trip up the mountains of Baguio City. A group of delegates from our grade school department were going to a leadership seminar in one of the most haunted places in the Philippines, Teacher's Camp. Plenty of ghost stories come from that dreaded place where we were about to stay for six days. It was known for its old age and the rumors that it was built on top of a war-related area. People see ghosts of war veterans and enemy soldiers kidnapping women. I thought I could never experience something like that, but I was wrong. First day of the trip was fun, as I remember. We went biking around the park there and hung out in the hotel room of one of the delegate's parents. I didn't even think about the place we were really supposed to stay until, of course, I saw our hall in teacher's camp. The camp was enormous. Plenty of halls we could have stayed in. But of all the halls we were assigned to, we were assigned to White Hall, the oldest and the one in the worst condition. The floor would creak with every step, and because of an opening between the ceiling and the wall, you could hear anything from chattering teachers to the bags of others dragged on the floor. Our toilets didn't even work well. So every day I dreaded coming back to that hall at night. That's worse than any haunting, I would think. (laughs) Yeah, terrible toilets. Mm. The long-awaited first night in our room finally came, and as usual, I didn't sleep well. I always have difficulty sleeping, whether at home or a creepy camp. Room 109 was our assigned quarters. 
Four other girls stayed in the room with me, and they were comfortable with the place, just a bit disgusted at the counterproductive toilet. I don't want to know what that means. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, I didn't sleep well at all. I was awake until the hours of 11, desperately trying to sleep. Of course, I left the lights on, fearing something might go bump that night. Finally, I fell asleep for around four hours and woke up again at 3 a.m. Screw sleep, I thought. Luckily, I brought an interesting book from my sister. I read undisturbed, yet still a bit paranoid for a few minutes. Until I heard something. Footsteps. Faint, yet coming closer. I stopped reading and waited to see if they would actually get louder. They did. Before anything got any louder, I actually peeked outside my room, finding nothing. But the footsteps kept coming. Stronger and closer as it headed down from the stairs across the room. I went back to my bed and just stayed there, sitting upright, my ears eagerly taking in the footsteps. I was nervous. I tried to calm myself, saying that there were late guests coming in. But then the footsteps reached the entrance of the room, so roughly that I felt the bed moved whenever it sounded. I freaked and hid my head under the blanket, hurriedly reciting my prayers while my friends slept soundly. I feared I'd see something that I'd remember for the rest of my life. The footsteps felt as if it was coming towards my bed. Then it stopped. I lifted enough courage to look up from my blanket. I saw a white shady figure with a somewhat bloodied face. It was only for a few seconds until I finally got the urge to hide myself from it. I hid under the blanket again. The footsteps ensued, but this time grew fainter and fainter until it was gone, like the figure. I was so scared I could barely get sleep. For the passing days in room 109, nothing else happened. Ooh, thank goodness and... I don't know how anybody goes back to sleep after seeing that. I would have been up screaming. My roommates would have been awake. I don't know that you would have been screaming. If it was a white figure with a bloody face. I still don't know that you'd be screaming. You're pretty brave. I don't. Yeah, I don't know that I would scream, but I'd be like, "Uh, guys, guys, does anybody else see this? Am I dreaming? (laughs) You definitely would have woken somebody up. Yeah. Next up, we have Loken Road. Loakin Road is also known as Route 231 and runs for nearly four miles from Loakin Airport to the main part of Baguio. There are two legends about this road. The first is about a tree that once stood at the middle of the road. It was decided that it needed to be removed, but anybody who tried to cut it down would fall ill and be unable to finish. Finally, someone did cut the tree down, but he died several months later. The other legend is about a hitchhiking ghost. And Kelly, you know a little something about hitchhiking ghosts. She's been making the three hitchhiking ghosts from the Haunted Mansion for our Halloween display outside out of plywood, right? Is that what you used? Yes. Well, yeah, a, a particular kind of wood. And yeah, I'm I'm so pleased. I can't wait to put them out there. If you guys want to see those, we've got them up on Instagram. <laughs> They've been up a few different times as I've been in the process of making each one. There's a cemetery along the road, and cab drivers claim to have been hailed by a woman wearing white outside of the cemetery. So here we have our lady in white. But when they stop to pick her up, she disappears. I've also heard that sometimes she actually gets in the car, and they're taking her from one cemetery to the next, and she disappears en route. There are those who believe she was a murder victim. And while these are two different legends, they actually could be connected. A lot of people believe that she was murdered near the tree, and that's why anybody who would try to take down the tree would fall ill. Ah, There are also stories of screams and other strange sounds coming from a lot that used to be the site of the Hyatt Hotel here in Baguio. The Grand Hotel was brought down by the 7.8 magnitude earthquake that hit here in 1990. Many people were trapped and killed in the collapse. Baguio does indeed seem to be a very haunted city. Are these locations that we shared haunted? That That is for you to decide. 
Yeah, so lots of good stuff there. I can guarantee we will probably never make it to the Philippines. Yeah, not very likely. But it was very cool. Thank you so much to Maria for sharing not only their experiences there, but suggesting this to us. It was a place I had not heard of. And so I had it on our list and was getting ready to do it. And then I listened to Bridget. How do you say her last name? Marquart. Yeah, Marquart, who does the Ghost Magnet podcast. And I heard a guy on there that had said he'd been out to the old Diplomat Hotel because I believe his wife is Filipino. And he was just talking about how crazy haunted it was. And I'm like, you know what? I think that's the place that Maria suggested to us. And so when I looked, I'm like, oh, I need to look into this then. It sounds like a crazy place. So thank you for the suggestion. We encourage you guys to check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. We want to thank Leanne for your email. We always love hearing from you guys, no matter how many times you want to tell us that you absolutely love the podcast. It always makes our day. Absolutely. We love hearing back from you guys. The feedback is so important. We also want to encourage you guys to make sure you're listening to the most recent episodes, not only so that you can keep up to date with what we have going on, because you might miss some things. We had some people like saying, oh, no, we didn't realize Cemetery Bingo was already going on. So make sure when that episode drops that you're listening within those first couple of weeks so you don't miss anything. And the reason I suggest that is not only for your benefit, but it also benefits us in a huge way. We don't talk about it a lot. But when it comes to people who are interested in advertising on your podcast, they look at what was listened to on a specific episode from the moment it dropped to the 30 days afterward. So for those of you who save the episodes and then listen like two months later, it doesn't help us at all when it comes to numbers. So we really appreciate it if you guys could listen to the most recent episodes right when they drop, whether you're a new listener, an old listener. If you want to give back to the podcast, that's a great way to do it. And another way that you guys can help is just by sharing the show. When you meet somebody or if you know somebody that enjoys spooky stuff, whether it be around October or all through the year, sharing the show is just a huge help. It really helps us grow. We want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode isn't brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to welcome into the cemetery... Veronica Adame. I believe that's how you say it. One of the Rays players spells his last name the same way, and that's how he says it. So I'm assuming that's how you say it. Hopefully I got it right. She is going to be buried under an obelisk headstone. Reagan Ralston, you're going to be buried in a chest tomb. And Jimmy Tucker, we're putting you in a garden tomb. Thank you so much for contributing to HGB, you guys. Becoming executive producers really is what brings the show to everyone else. So we appreciate it so very much. Be sociable, drop the chain rattling, neck biting and shape shifting and join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page and follow us. Clear that throat before you read the intro.
You do it all the time. Don't start with me. <laughs> I've never cleared my throat once. Oh, uh-huh. Atop a hill in the Filipino city of Pines sits an abandoned dip- diplodated. It's a diplodated building. <laughs> wow, that's an amazing. We're going to have to make up our own history ghost bump dictionary. And we will have our own pronunciations, too. Indeed. Sits an abandoned, sits an abandoned and now I can't say it. I totally know dilapidated, dilapidated, dilapidated. I couldn't say it, though. It stuck in my head that way. <laughs> they started a seminary called Collegio de Santissimo Rosario, but it was only open for a couple of years because there was not enough seminary students enrolling. I stand in awe of you pronouncing that correctly the first time through. <laughs> I do much better with Spanish sounding names than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do better with Spanish than any other foreign language, too, since I studied it for years. But wow. Spanish or Italian, I do better with. Agpeoa was from Baguio and was not only an entrepreneur, but he fashioned himself a faith. <laughs> this included the clattering of dishes, doors and windows. <laughs> there she goes, growling at the microphone again like it'll fix it. I'm growling at myself very well written it's very it's very well, well written it's well written it's well written the lateral white house suffered a simula- similar 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 this is a simulation a similar tourists for tourism for those of you who do tourism tourism sorry you I didn't can roll stay my overnight <laughs> <laughs> that's forever gonna be a blooper yes it is <laughs> And you still say, I didn't say it that way. I still don't think I did. I need the listeners to back me up on this one. Another really bizarre form is boanthropy. And a person suffering from this believes they are a cow or an ox. Move. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. I think Diane's suffering from it. (laughs) Watch out. I might be eating grass this afternoon. Ew. We have some helium in our house. You mean the kind that comes out of your butt? Oh, my word. No, I'm talking about the birthday balloon. I got you. <laughs> and that is not helium. That's methane. Oh, you get right. it right. I'm sorry. I'm not a scientist. I don't know gas. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I'm sorry. We went on a date last night and that was some really rich food. I just that's what it got on my brain. Well, clearly, since you spent half the night in the bathroom, as did I. <laughs> Did you know that about helium, that it is in very short supply? This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. <laughs> 